Y'all doing all right this morning? Good, good, good. Glad you're here this morning. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for just the the message of this morning's worship, Father, about how ever-present you are in our lives, how you give us what we need, how you use us mightily, God. That our response is just to say yes, to be available. And Father, we proclaim in unison as the body of Christ that we are available. God, use us as you see fit. And this, this moment of giving is, is no different. We say the same thing, God. What you've given us belongs to you, Father, and an opportunity to worship with you through giving it. Father, we relish that worship. God, may it be pleasing to your ears. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. A couple of things uh, for you all to be aware about, just mindful of. Uh, this coming up weekend, is that correct, is the Woven Women's Conference. That's not true? Oh, would you like to do that to me? Is it right this kind of weekend? Yes. Nope. <laughs> it's the it's the next weekend. Okay. But you can register for it today. You just can't get a t-shirt anymore. Is that correct? Okay. That's kind of rude, but I didn't have anything to do with that decision. So uh, <laughs> make sure you tell your friends, invite somebody to come. Uh, put a little holy pressure on them. Amen. You, 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 you've needed that, haven't you? You know those moments where you just the last place you can think of that you want to be is at small group or at church or whatever it is, but you go anyway? Nobody ever leaves those moments and go, I knew that was going to be terrible. I tried to tell you all from the beginning. When you leave there, you're like, man, I so needed that. You know, God ministered to me. God spoke to me. It's the same thing with everybody else. We're not so uniquely that we have these exclusive experiences that aren't going to benefit or aren't going to be relevant for other people. So make that ask is what we call it this week. Those people that you've been wondering, should I invite? Yes, you should every time. Amen. And then want you also to be mindful of the five-year anniversary celebration is coming up. And uh, here in a few weeks, we're going to have to give our final numbers for food. Um, so you need to go into the Church Center app in the calendar section, and you need to click on that event on October the 22nd, I think it is, or 23rd. Click on that event. And you can register and say, hey, I'm coming, and here are the people that are coming with me, so we'll know how much food to make available. We will get done with church that day. We will head straight to Banning Mills. They have this massive pavilion, um, which doesn't do justice because you only understand massive as you use that word. But I'm telling you, I was like, no, no church is going to fit under a pavilion. Oh, Okay. We will fit under this one. Okay? It's amazing. We're going to head right over there after church. We're going to have some... Uh, lunch together, and then we'll be able to, I say we, but I'm not going to do this. Some of you will be able to hike the trails, uh, walk across the swinging bridges, and then there's some things that you can pay to do if you're just inclined to swing over massive gorges and you just really love that kind of stuff. You can sign up and do that. I won't be doing that either. I'm going to putt-putt. I'm going to walk across the swinging bridge directly across from the pavilion and then I'm going to sit and hang out with those of you who feel the same way that I do. That's it. So go in Church Center, and you can 
register for that event. There was one other thing that you said I might want to mention. Yes. So trunk or treat this year, we won't be able to do. The property was sold, and uh, the, the folks that own it, they're great. Okay, so don't go find out who they are and try to make their lives miserable. They are absolutely wonderful people, um, but because of what the property is being used for now, uh, we're not going to have access to that. So what we are doing is uh, Carrollton Square has an event where kids come and businesses set up and do this thing where they trick-or-treat. We're going we're gonna to set up a tent there. Uh, and so if you are buying candy and would like to donate to help us do that, we have to take $500 worth of candy minimum with us to make sure that we can serve all the children that will come through uh, on during that event. Okay, So we're going to be doing that this year, and hopefully Trunk or Treat will work out in some other capacity at some point. Uh, but we've learned some things about the city of Carrollton over the fa- past few weeks trying to get this uh, to happen, and it's just going to require a little more prayer, a little more pressing in. Amen? We're committed to that, though. All right. If you have your Bibles this morning, would you turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 7? And so I'm going to do this message two completely different ways. And once you figure out what the, what's going on with it, you'll understand why I'm, I'm 100% sure of that. Um, which makes it probably highly unlikely because God's like, oh, you're sure? So either way, two messages will be preached this morning. But I was sitting and looking at this passage of Scripture, and if you're looking at it, you're going to remember that we have gone through this passage of Scripture before, okay? And then not only have we gone through this passage of Scripture, but the one after it kind of seems to take a completely different turn and a completely different direction than what everything that has been talked about has been about up until this point. But what you'll see is that Jesus is very intentional about his words. He's always intentional about his language, even though he knows he's preaching to people that have chosen not to hear him, who will reject his words. They're literally there for the purpose Scripture teaches us of finding something to accuse him of. He still, though, is so intentional with the words and the language that he uses. And so he begins after talking about worry. It's interesting. So do do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So up until this point, he's been kind of in this theme of every day you're going to make a choice. You're going to choose to follow after God. You're going to choose to follow after your own selfish desires or follow after your own way. And then he moves into chapter 7, verse 1, which was not a chapter 7, verse 1 to him. It was just the next thought. And he says, do not judge so that you will not be judged. We're going to talk about that sentence for just a second. We're going to move through this, I say briefly. I honestly don't know how long it's going to take. We're going to let the Holy Spirit decide that since we've covered it before. This word judge and judge, the root word is the exact same. And what that word means is do not evaluate or discern. And the way Jesus is using it here, what he's saying is when you evaluate, when you discern, don't do so selfishly or incorrectly. He says this, For in the way that you evaluate or discern, 
you will be judged, and by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. What's interesting about this scripture is that as far as society is concerned, as far as how it's used today, Tupac Shakur made it famous, uh, if you're familiar with his song, that also bears the same title as the lyric, Only God Can Judge Me made this verse, fa- verse famous, I don't know that I would give him credit for it being taken out of context. I think it's always been something that we like to latch on and use as a defense when someone's being critical of something in our lives. As a matter of fact, in the last six months, we've had conversations with people who no longer come to Generations Church. I felt like I was being judged For those of you who attend here regularly, that may be surprising to you. Like, I don't feel like I'm being judged. I feel like what we're doing is we're a part of Proverbs 27. We're in this process of iron sharpening iron. You know, there's three individuals involved in that scenario. There's the blacksmith. You don't get to be him. That's God. And then there's the two pieces of iron that bang violently up against one another so that they might be refined into something useful. And the Bible says that what's taking place there is similar to what happens between believers when we discern and evaluate in a way that glorifies God. I'm not where I'm at today because I just willed myself here, because I just sucked it up and grinned and bore it. Like, there have been people who have come along the way, and they've had to be honest with me when I didn't want to hear anything that they had to say. Anybody else? They told me the truth when I had an attitude problem. Everybody in this room has had an attitude problem, and you were the person that they were talking to when they said, you can't tell them nothing. Anybody else ever been that person? You can't tell them nothing. You was on the other end. I like to believe that I'm just a person saying that, but more times than not, I've been on the other end. I'm the one you can't tell nothing. The good thing about those seeds is that they were planted. And while the planting wasn't pleasant, and maybe even the water, sometimes the watering is cold, and it's like somebody took ice water in the summer and surprised you and poured it down your back, right? But I was thankful for it because as the process continued, as God in his faithfulness continued to refine me, continued to put people in my life, what happened is something grew that glorified him. Like, that's what we want, right? That's what we want. When we say something like, only God can judge me, or don't, the Bible says, don't judge. No, it does not. It says, do not evaluate or discern incorrectly. Because the same selfishness sometimes that we discern with, the same self-righteousness that we sometimes discern with, that's what God will give you if that's what you want. He's saying, no, 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 no. We need to not do that. There is a way by which we go about doing this, and it glorifies God. It doesn't inflate the sense of self. And so Jesus is saying, don't do that. Don't do that. Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? There's three people that's always involved in this process of discernment. At least, at least, okay? Not counting God, he's not a human being, but the people involved are either a guilty person who's using the don't judge me because they just want to keep doing what they're doing, or if nothing else, at bare minimum, I just don't want to be wrong. 
Anybody like that? Anybody struggle? Sometimes you in an argument and you fighting your tail off. And at the end of the day, all you fighting for is I just don't want to submit and be wrong. I just want to be right. I don't want to give up or give in because that means I lost. Why y'all smiling at me? Some of y'all struggle with this. What you argue? What was your arguing about two weeks ago? I, apparently just not being wrong because I can't remember what the actual topic was. So there's that person. The other person which should never be in this conversation in, in the context of what Jesus is talking about is the unbeliever. You see, the reason the church has the reputation that it has in terms of judgment is because what we incorrectly do is we take things. There's a, there's a key word in here, adelphos. It means brother. It means a family member. Once again, why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye? You see, the problem that the church has sometimes is that we like to take concepts that Jesus intended for the kingdom and apply them to those outside the kingdom and then wonder why it went wrong. The world is going to world. The unbeliever is going to unbelieve. They're not going to produce righteousness. They're going to produce unrighteousness. And so we don't need to be screaming in their face anything but that they need Jesus Christ and a relationship with him. At that point, then the transition comes, okay, now you're a believer. The discipleship process takes place, okay? So those are the people that are usually involved in this process. There's the, there's the person doing the discipling. Where are you at when you do that? It's scary. Have you, ever, have you ever gone in on somebody about unrighteousness or about sin in their life? Why are you living in sin? I have. I went in hard, too. You know why? It made me feel better about my own sin. See, I know some things about righteousness and about godly living. I'm not doing them, but it made me feel better to know them and to teach you. It made me feel good. That's why, we, that's why we do it sometimes. So there's the three relationships always involved in this process. There's the person, there's the unbeliever who shouldn't be in it. Okay? There's the believer who's wrong and just defensive and at the end of the day just prideful and doesn't want to submit and doesn't want to say, you're right. I need to shore that up. And then there's the person doing the discerning. Like we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Everything we say to someone has the potential to impact their life forever from that point on. See, when I think of that weight, I start going back through all of the times that from a bad place I tried to teach someone the truth. Now, it doesn't mean you got to be perfect or you need to shut up. That's not what I'm saying, okay? That's not what I'm saying. It just means that in this process of discernment, there's a lot going on. It's a supernatural situation unfit for human involvement. That's what we do, ain't it? We keep trying to come up with human solutions for supernatural spiritual issues. Some of you are thinking about it right now. 
we got to make sure we get out there and vote so that we can do this and do that. It happens every four years. Ain't that how often we do it every four years? Thinking that we're going to do something human that's going to affect the spiritual. If you think that your role in this country, in this world, is to cast a vote and that you have honored and accepted what God created you for, you are way off, believer. That is, I want to say secondary, but if you had a list, that's so far down it's almost irrelevant. Your first position is prayer. 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 Only God can change anything in the broken heart of mankind. And this discernment process is what Jesus is going in this direction. He's trying to get us to understand You have got to be in this place where you are connected to me because I'm going to call you at times to speak when your life might reflect you have no business speaking. Do you want them to hear you or me? Discern correctly then. There are going to be times in your life where you have chased after, caught up to, and put into practice something that you wanted that was the last thing God desired for your life. And he's going to need you in that moment to be in a place where you can discern his voice over all of the other influence. And it's possible that it's going to come to you from a believer that maybe you don't have the best relationship with. Can you see past that relationship to the voice of God? Discernment. Discernment. I don't know all of you deeply and personally, but I could have a conversation with everybody in this room and get to know you a little bit and figure out what triggers you. And you could do the same to me. Can you get past that and hear the voice of God? Like, what, what if we end up having a situation where something I do triggers you? And then the next person that God sends to you after that triggering is me. And he intends to use me because, number one, he wants me to submit to him at all times, even when I'm off. And he wants you to hear from him at all times, even when you're off, and even when you have a problem with the messenger. You see discernment. You see how critical it is? See, the church, what they like to do is we like to discern everything I feel bad about is from the devil. Everything I feel good about is from the Lord God. We do it every day, don't we? We do it every day. From the moment we wake up and slept good and feel good, the Lord is in this place. The moment that we wake up and it's just like World War III, just trying to get somebody out of bed in the head comb so they can get to church on time. We get here, we don't feel good. This is going to be a rough one. I don't know if God's going to be able to reach me. Can you discern in those moments the voice of God anyway? Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye? He wants us to be aware of the influence that our flesh, the influence of the enemy, always working, always fighting for our attention, always wanting to have our voice. Or how can you say to your brother this idea of this family member? You're, you're, let me take the speck out of your own eye, and behold, the log is in your own eye. When you do that, when you do that, now, now here's what he's saying. He says, let me take the speck out of your eye, and behold, the log is in your own eye. 
It's this idea that are you aware of who you are? Are you walking into this situation having forgotten what God brought and delivered you from? Remember when you were in your greatest moment of need when God's mercy fell upon you and it broke you to pieces? It doesn't mean you cried or went out and had this emotion. Some of you did, some of you didn't, but you knew in that moment that God had reached even you. You remember what you felt like? Just blown away, right, that God could even, Jesus is saying, and yet now you want to go to somebody and you forget that that's from where you came? Now you want to act like you just got it all together, and at the end of the day, what's in your eye is larger than what you've noticed in your brother's eye. What is this really about? The glory of God or payback or vengeance or who knows, self-righteousness. I just need to feel better about myself. Jesus is saying, no. When you live this way, you're a hypocrite. He says this, first, first, take the log out of your own eye. Do the work. Do the work. Realize who you are. Let God have his way with you. Say yes to God. Let him change you and soften you. And then, then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. You're going to need discernment, believer. This is the whole context of this passage. You need discernment. God has called you to be a sharpening agent. God has called you to be a receiver of sharpening. Will you have the discernment to, number one, know what role you play in that? And will you have the discernment to be able to say no to your flesh, no to your sinful desires, and do the work that God has sent you to do? It's, it's difficult, isn't it? Anybody ever had somebody walk up and say, hey, can I talk to you for a second? You're like, sure, and then they just drop a bomb on you. Do you feel discernment's critical in that moment? Like, this person needs to hear something from me. You know, what I like to say sometimes is give me a couple of days, let me go seek the Lord. And then, but sometimes I'm in a situation and it's really critical. I don't have that time. I'm going to give them one or two things. I'm going to give them Christ Jesus or everything else. Life-altering, impactful discipleship moments. And then Jesus, you would like to think he'd say, but grace, and he kind of transitions, but it gets even worse. Look what he says. Do not give what is holy to dogs. And do not throw your pearls before swine. Anybody else ever bought anything new, some type of furniture? And you left your dog out. Or you sneezed and closed your eyes for however long that takes. Or you went to the mail. Oh, he'll be fine. Oh, she'll be fine. And you came back and your new throw pillow was like just cotton everywhere in the house. Anybody ever had a dog get a hold of a bag of flour? I would strongly encourage you to the next time you're at someone else's house, give the dog a bag of flour. Just watch what happens. Don't do it at your house. That's what Jesus is saying. Like, they don't appreciate what you've given them. They're not going to handle it correctly. Again, here's a relationship. There's two things going on in this relationship. Number one, there's the person that's never going to hear, never going to see, never going to understand. You have to discern, is that the situation that you're in? Isn't that scary? I want to tell you something about church attendance. 
Who are you in this room right now? Are you the discerner? Are you the one who's never going to hear, never going to see, never going to understand? Have you even asked yourself, Lord, have, am, I, am I in line with your word? Or am I just in constant conflict with it? Like, do you have those type of those questions? Because here's what Scripture teaches me. Scripture, that's, that's an incorrect statement. Here's what Scripture teaches. The road is broad and wide, which leads to destruction. And the correct translation of the word is, and most people choose it. That's the situation some of you are in. You know why you keep beating your head up against a wall with that person? Because they're never going to hear, they're never going to see, they're never going to understand. And Jesus is saying, you have to be able to discern. Is that the situation that you're in? There's not a passage of Scripture that says you keep on pushing and you keep on pressing into someone's life no matter what they do. No, no, no. There's a lot of Scripture that supports this idea that there's some people that are never going to see, they're never going to hear, and they're never going to understand. And what scares me to death is that God says, with my spirit, you will discern which they are. What I want God to do is just have like a symbol. You ever play video games? Like Call of Duty? Nobody? Just me. All right. There's video games that exist out there for the rest of you all who are just so spiritual. You just sit and read and watch preachers all the time. I got one little partner back here. One partner right here. All right. Oh, yeah, I forgot, Christian. You literally play right next to me. I'm sorry, dude. Well, anyway, when you're running into the enemy's base, you know who the enemy is. You know why? Because usually his name is above his head. You, all your teammates is green. All their teammates is red. Okay? Green means don't shoot. Red means everything you got, unload on that guy. That's what I want God to do, right? Don't you wish when you came here to Generations Church first, wouldn't it have been easy for you if there was a red or a green label of me and you just walked in and went like, okay. And you would just know, like, that's what I want God to do. But Jesus is like, no, 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 no. You're going to learn, church, one way or the other, that there's no human solution, there's no human answer to spiritual issues. It requires the presence and the involvement of God Almighty. You need to know how to discern, and you need to know how to evaluate and judge correctly. I'm not going to do that work for you. I'm going to send my Holy Spirit who will speak when you need someone to speak, who will move when you need something to move, who will do the work, and I need you to be dialed into that voice so that you can play your part. I wish God would just make me, but he doesn't. And then he says, not only will you be in situations where you need to judge, not only will you be in situations where you need to evaluate correctly, but you're going to be in situations where you're dealing with people that will never get it. And that the devil has put them in your life so that they will wear you down, wear you out, steal your joy, and hopefully bring you to where they are. This is crazy. 
This is scary. Some of you are sitting in this room right now and you're overwhelmed because you have invested and invested. And now what you got to do is you got to go back to the, to the drawing board, which is a fancy way of saying to your knees and ask that God give you discernment. Are you possibly in a situation it's solely not to see if you're really committed to being a disciple maker, not to see if you're really committed to being a Christian, not to see if you're really committed to discernment. But can you walk away from a relationship having discerned this person's never going to see, never going to hear, never going to understand? How could a God, don't even go that way, the devil's got the door. The devil's foot's in the door right there. His ways are higher than your ways. His thoughts are higher than your thoughts. All the time you waste trying to figure him out, what that really means is trying to get him to fit in the box that you've created over the years. It's just the opportunity that Satan has so that that light shining in the darkness is obscured. Stay with me. So he says, do not give them the things that they can't have and turn and listen, this is the enemy's plan, and tear you to pieces. And then this verse, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be open to you. Remember what Jesus said when he talked about what the Holy Spirit would do when he came? about how he would, don't worry when you stand before rulers in the synagogue about what you will say. For the Holy Spirit in that time will give you what you need. You see, the issue with the church, usually, the issue in my, in my life personally, like, and I've made this joke before, right, where I've said sometimes, you know, we get in a situation, me and Stacey will be in a, a dis- I like the word discussion, and she'll look and ask me, have you had a quiet time? I mean, my, I'm trying not to do my face that I'll be like, excuse me. You know how we are. The reality is, is once the emotional sting wears off, she's 100% right. No, I have not. Because people who are dialed into the spirit of the living God, they don't act like this. They don't respond this way. They don't hear this way. They don't see this way. They don't understand this way. And Jesus is literally saying, you understand what I've been teaching you. The kingdom of heaven is here. And it is going to make an investment in the hearts of those who see, of those who hear, and of those who understand. And it's not an investment that you can take and selfishly go dig a hole and hide in a hill. It's an investment that at some point God's going to return and he's going to expect a return on that investment. And the return is simply this. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does it. You're going to go into the world, and every day you're going to be in a moment where you're going to choose God or you're going to choose you. You're going to choose me. I'm going to go through you. I'm going to work through you and be glorified. I'm going to impact your life. I'm going to impact that life. I'm going to do the same thing through them, and they're going to, and then they're going to, and then they're going to, and then they're going to. And the only way this is going to work, because it's like Jesus, don't you like the way he does it? Here's the expectation. You're incapable of it. 
Here's the expectation. Holiness, church. Righteousness, church. I will not accept anything else. Jesus' own words, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect, okay? That's the standard. If you don't live up to that, you will not be in the kingdom. You can't. And by the way, you can't do it. And I know I say this a lot, but the words of the apostles, I think of them every week. Oh, my God, who then can be saved? Well, you're thinking like you've been taught to think. You can save yourself. And that's incorrect. You cannot do anything righteous or holy, especially save yourself apart from my working through your life. That's the shift. It's not a shift. It's not a change in thought. Jesus is like the righteousness that comes from heaven. I expect in you. I expect you to live and understand that the kingdom of heaven is here. What you have is not your own. Be generous. Give freely. Don't worry. Don't make mistakes. Live as righteous, not as unrighteous. Judge and discern correctly because the salvation of the person I've decided depends on your discernment. And don't waste your time on people who are never going to get it. And I need you to know, in every conversation that you're in, is that the conversation that you're in? And what seems to be a shift is actually, and this is how you're going to do it. You're going to ask me, and I'm going to give it to you. You're going to seek me, and you're going to find me. For everyone who asks, receives. This isn't about earthly stuff. So we've taken these verses and we've interpreted them incorrectly to mean that if I ask God, he's going to bless me for what I'm asking for. And what God is saying is that I'm going to give you me. You ask for me, you're going to get me. You knock on my door, I'm going to answer. You look for me, you're going to find me. If you ask for me, he who asks, receives. That's what he's saying. You seek me, you ask for me, you're going to get it. He who knocks at the door, it'll open, and it won't be the desire of their heart. It'll be what Psalms teaches. It'll be the desire of God's heart. It'll be God standing there. He says, what man is there among you who, when his son asks for a loaf, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, he won't give him a snake, will he? This is what Jesus is saying in, in verse 11. You're wicked. You're evil. And yet even you, when your son asks for something to eat, you feed them. You understand this concept. I am the Lord your God, Jesus is saying. If you ask me for righteousness, I will fill your cup. Now, it may hurt. It may cost something. But in the moment that you stand and desire to live to my glory, I will shovel that ability on you through the power of the Holy Spirit. And then he ends it with this. In everything, therefore, treat people the same way you want them to treat you. For this is the law 
and the prophets. As we close this morning, with all the distractions removed, with all the things that can get in the way, just just stop thinking about what's tomorrow. Stop, Stop being a slave to the notification. Just take a moment, just right where you are, just be in this moment only. What is the desire of your heart? It's the glory of God, isn't it? You, hear, you, you can hear it. You can hear it. And many of you, you're hearing it this morning, and you're like, that's all I ever want to hear. And Jesus is says, saying, for those to whom the kingdom of heaven has come, That's exactly what they want. So the next time you're in that moment, I need you to use discernment. Use the Holy Spirit. Don't worry about your qualifications. Don't be distracted by your own mistakes. Be aware of them so that grace may abound. But I will use you mightily to further the kingdom of God if you would but trust me. Will it be you? Or will it be God? I'm tired of hearing that, preacher. You show me one week that goes by where that's not the primary issue that you deal with throughout the entire week, and we'll stop talking about it. Will it be you? Will it be God? Would you stand this morning? This entire week, I'm looking at these passages of Scripture. When I first looked at them, as, as, as you might have, if you're one of those people who, when I say turn to Matthew chapter 7, you just start reading. First of all, that's disrespectful. Pay attention. I used to do it too. I just love the word. If you look at these passages of Scripture, you kind of look at them and go, these don't really go together, you know. But in reality, they go perfectly together. It took me a while to see that this week. And I sat down. And I was overwhelmed with this idea of, like, how am I going to demonstrate this morning how faithful God is? See, a lot of times when we try to think about God's faithfulness, we, we, we think about it in terms of when I've asked him for something, whether or not he's given it the way we wanted it. But when God talks about faithfulness throughout Scripture, he's talking about getting to that place where you no longer want anything but what he wants for you And of that, he'll give you all you want. Many of us are quiet because we don't know what to say. Many of us stay still because we don't know what to do. It's like we're waiting for this moment where God's going to just fix all of that. And you're all of a sudden going to know exactly what to say. And you're all of a sudden going to know exactly what to do. And let me tell you this morning, church, I'm a pastor. I've been doing this now more than I've done anything else in my life, and I'm still every week in positions where I don't know what to do, and I don't know what to say. And I love those opportunities, because in those moments I get to say, and that's why I'm here. Now I have to discern, God, what would you say? What do you want to say? I don't want them to hear from me anyway. God, what would you do in this moment? God, help me see with your eyes, hear with your ears, understand with your heart. And that's when it hit me. 
That's how you demonstrate this to everybody. I want you to get up on that stage Sunday morning, and I don't want you to prepare or write anything. I want you to walk up there with a brand new Bible with not a note or mark in it, and I want you to preach. I want you to get out of the way and let God do it. I've sweat more than I've ever sweat before in my entire life. You literally watched it happen. If you don't believe God's faithful, you just watched it happen. I am a sweaty, nasty, anxious, nervous mess. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to do. I just got up here and said, God, thank God, because I don't want them to have any of that anyway. Shovel all that out of me, and you give them what you would have them have this morning. And God did it. God did it. And what I love about it, there wasn't a bunch of jokes, were there? No, I use jokes because they make me feel comfortable enough to think. And sometimes, praise God, because he's much bigger than me, his ways are higher, his thoughts are higher, he still uses those, and I'm thankful. But when I have influence in it, I have influence in it. I get involved. And I wanted you to see that, no, you don't understand. He's not special. This is about me and my faithfulness. You're going to be in a situation this week where you're going to have to discern the voice of the Lord or your own, and you're going to have to choose because it's life-altering whatever you decide. And God is saying, I'm not absolving you of it. You're going to be in situations this week, this month, this year, where someone standing before you has been sent by the enemy just to, and his own words are, tear you to pieces. And God is going to need you, need you to have the discernment to be able to stand in that moment and to know what that is and to bow out humbly and gracefully. And that's overwhelming, Pastor. I don't even know how to begin that process. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and it will be open to you. God, this morning, we spend so much of our lives waiting for something extra happen that the holiness you intended gets passed over. And God, it's just because we're so in our heads, we're overthinking everything. We think it depends on what we know and what we can do when everything literally hinges on what you know and what you can do. And our greatest struggle is getting out of the way. Even that moment of, ah, when someone asks us something we have experience with, man, and we just jump right in there. We don't even take a second and say, well, wait. God, just give me that holy minute, that holy second to discern your will for this situation, for this life, for mine and for those that you have chosen to impact through me. The desire of our hearts, God, is that you would be glorified, that we would be used in every moment and every minute, that you be made famous. We have no other desire. In Christ's holy name we pray. Amen.